Welcome to Following the Way. We're a podcast that's all about following Jesus and learning his way for our lives. We believe that scripture reveals this way and invites us to follow. We're glad you're with us as we seek together. Hello everyone and welcome back. It's been a while since I've been in the book of Hebrews, taken a bit of a hiatus on uh, looking at uh, Hebrews. We were going through it uh, chapter by chapter and I left off um, a few weeks ago in the middle of Hebrews 10 and uh, due to a variety of things, pressed pause on this and now uh, coming back to this about three to four weeks later, I think it is now. So we're going to we're going to get back into this. We've been going through the book of Hebrews. Uh, one of the most maybe misunderstood or uh, least familiar books in the New Testament for many Christians. They feel that it's confusing with a lot of the Old Testament imagery and a lot of the stuff about sacrifice and high priests. And, and yet in the midst of it, uh, and throughout, it's just it's chalked full of just gold and and truth and just incredible um, details about who God is and what what He has done for us uh, in Jesus and and all sorts of things. And so we're we're now in the middle of Hebrews ten, and where this is at is that uh, we've gone through and looked at how Jesus is uh, again greater than. The angels greater than Moses. He's um, greater than any of the the priestly system of the Old Testament. He's he's our great high priest. He's greater than uh, this um, interesting figure that is spoken of briefly in the Old Testament called Melchizedek, and and then the writer gets into how. Uh, Jesus has brought in the new covenant that's greater than the old covenant, and and so that's uh, and that's because of his sacrifice and what he's accomplished for us. And we looked um, in the first part of Hebrews ten, we looked at just the seriousness of sin and dealing with sin in our lives, and uh, not ignoring it and not sweeping it aside, but actually realizing that uh, we need forgiveness for our sins, and we have someone who does um, redeem us, and that is Jesus. And so that's kind of the the context of where we get to in the middle of Hebrews 10, picking it up at verse 19. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read uh, the first six verses here, and then we'll unpack those before we go on. So he says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly or fast to the hope we profess. For he who promises faithful, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So the writer here is saying, he begins by saying, therefore, meaning in light of everything we've been saying, in light of 
Jesus's sacrifice and and how he is the he's brought in this new covenant and he's above all things and greater than all things. We have confidence now to enter into the most holy place where again in in before Jesus only the great high priest could go. He was the only one who could sacrifice on behalf of the people before God and and be in that holy place. But we now have confidence to enter into that place by the blood of Jesus. Not because we're worthy or we should think that we have any right to that place. But because of the blood of Jesus, we are ushered into this relationship with God. And that's what it's getting at. It's it's using this picture, this metaphor of from the Old Testament to really drive home the point that we are invited into this relationship with God, that the curtain has been torn, that uh, because we have Jesus as the great high priest, that uh, we can draw near to God with a sincere heart. We don't have to, we don't have to be fearful or, or we don't have to wonder if we'll be accepted. We have full assurance of faith that we have been cleansed, that we're washed. And so then the writer's, he says, you know, in light of this, and this is what's so interesting, is he kind of maybe throws a bit of a curve at us that we wouldn't be expecting. And he says, he goes and he says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward this, onto love and good deeds. How, and, and then he says, let's not, let's not give up meeting together. Like some are doing that. Some maybe have started to, to you know, disregard the importance of, of, being together in as the body of Christ that, that they don't see the importance of. And he's like, no, 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 no. Like, and he's writing this to individual congregations and churches. And he's saying, let's don't, don't give up. We need this. And it's interesting because he goes to that uh, on the heels of what Jesus has accomplished for us and the relationship that we have with God. And he ties it to our relationship with one another. And, you know, it's sort of, it reminds you of, you know, well, what the Old Testament says and what Jesus says, you know, the two greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. And so, you know, it begins with love for God, love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then the second command is love your neighbor. And that begins in the body of Christ, that begins in the house of God, that begins with our relationship with one another. And, you know, this really reveals to us and, and in much greater, to a much greater extent that I can deal with on one podcast, but it, it reveals the importance of the body of Christ together and how we encourage one another, how we actually do this together with one another, how we grow this love with one another. How do we, how do we encourage this love and this joy and this encouragement amongst one another? And, and, being consistent uh, with one another in our presence with one another. And, you know, it's it's about this, because of what Jesus has done for us, it's about living and growing in obedience to God and to one another. And, you know, there's there's this inward regenerating work that's gone on. And yet the writer here is saying, but you need other people to help you keep Uh, to this. You need other people that are going to encourage you and guide you and push you and, and teach you and, 
uh, bring correction into your life. I mean, there's there's lots here to unpack of how we spur one another on uh, to to this love and to to be growing. And so, this what we can't miss here is that this is not optional or just an extra onto a personal relationship with Jesus. It is absolutely foundational to what it means if we are going to, uh, as, he, as he says later on in the chapters, if we're not going to throw away our confidence, if we're not going to give up. And, and you know, that's been a, a, a routine sort of theme throughout Hebrews is don't give up. Don't, don't shrink back. Don't give up your confidence. Um, don't, don't slide away because that, that was partly why this letter was written to the people is that they were, they were undergoing things. And we're going to see that yet later in the chapter. And so he goes on and he says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, and again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Now, this again, this is unfamiliar language to some of the commonly accepted Christian themes that we see played out in the Western world again and again. You know, God loves you. It's all grace. It's all mercy, you know, and, and, it, and it, it can sidestep this reality of when we have when we've come to the lord you know to think that um jesus is my homeboy sort of thing and hey like you know he's he's it's grace if i if i keep on sinning like like he'll forgive me and it's like and there's another side to that a very important side where it's we need to consider how serious sin is and that um, it's not just all, uh, you know, push it to the side and let it go. And hey, Jesus is cool because he's full of grace and, and goodness. Um, the the writer of the Hebrews here too, he's at the end of those verses that I read, um, he's quoting again from the Old Testament, which is, you know, the common, very common thing uh, for the writer of Hebrews to do. He's constantly drawing in snippets of the Old Testament when you read this, you would think, you'd go, well, yeah, that like the Old Testament is like, it's different. The New Testament came in and there's grace and there's mercy. And, you know, we see this, this father heart of God, love and, and adoption and all this stuff. And it's, that's all true. And we think, well, yeah, you know, you know, the vengeful wrathful God, um, that was Old Testament stuff. Like, you know, those who, you know, they, anyone who rejected the law of Moses, like they, they died without mercy on just like two or three witnesses. And it's like, you're, you're a goner. You're, you're done. That's, that's not the God of the New Testament. 
You know, but Jesus himself, he said in uh, John 3 that um, if we reject Christ, if we reject our need for salvation, the wrath of God remains on us. That's not, and that's not something that's from the Old Testament. That's New Testament Jesus talking. And there's, there's a lot more where that came from the New Testament where to, we need to preach a full gospel. And we need to preach a gospel that includes the seriousness of sin and our desperate need for salvation. And um, that letting sin go um, unaccounted for, undealt with in our lives is not um, okay. And I, I was reminded as I was reading this and thinking about this today again of Dietrich Bonhoeffer probably did such an incredible service for the church um, in his book, Cost of Discipleship, where he talked about cheap grace versus costly grace. And, you know, cheap grace is grace without discipleship, grace without the cross, um, preaching forgiveness without requiring repentance, baptism without church discipline, communion without confession, uh, all, all this sort of stuff. And, and, and he said, you know, on the flip side, costly grace is, you know, like the treasure hidden in the field, and, and for the sake of it, the man will go and sell everything he has. It's the pearl of great price. You know, the, the merchant will sell all his goods to get. It is uh, the, the kingly rule of Christ. Uh, it is the call of Jesus at which the disciples left their nets and followed him. And so he says this, he says, costly grace is the gospel which must be sought again and again, the gift which must be asked for, the door at which a man must knock. Such grace is costly because it calls us to follow, and it is grace because it calls us to follow Jesus Christ. It is costly because it costs a man his life, and it is grace because it gives a man the only true life. It is costly because it condemns sin, and grace because it justifies the sinner. Above all, it is costly because it cost God the life of his son. You were bought with a price. And what has cost God much cannot be cheap for us. Above all, it is grace because God did not reckon his son too dear a price to pay for our life, but delivered him up for us. Costly grace is the incarnation of God. There is a cost to what Jesus has done for us that we should not and do not want to lose when it comes to the bearing of it on our lives. I was listening recently, I just caught a clip of Jordan Peterson who wrote 12 Rules for Life and has sort of, you know, his, his, he's kind of based the premise of his life and he said this on morality and, and writing about morality and yet he's never confessed Christ. He's admitted that he, he does, he's not a follower of Christ. But lately, it seems like God is again just doing something in, through his intellectual mind and he was, uh, he, was, he was talking on this podcast about when uh, obje- the objective uh, morality um, it, it, where it, it comes and it intersects with the narrative. And he said uh, that that really, uh, many believe, is seen in the person of Jesus, where he is the absolute center of objective morality and um, the narrative, like, like he walked this earth. And as he was talking about this, he was actually getting emotional on his podcast. And he said, I don't know what to do with this because he said, if this is true, it's terrifying. 
Like he's, he's coming to grips with, if this is actually true, this is a terrifying reality for my life, that God is real, that Jesus walked this earth, and that he is the very essence of truth and morality. And it reminded me of, I was reminded of that when I read this verse again in Hebrews here. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It, it, God is, there's, God is infinitely great. He's glorious. He is above all things. And, you know, not, not for us to be fearful. This isn't meant to be like, we should be fearful or scared of God, but that we should recognize and, and not just intellectually, but in the very depths of our souls, understand the holiness and the glory of God. And so the writer goes on and he says in verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. (laughs) Such an interesting way of putting it. When you stood your ground in a great contest in the face of suffering, sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You sympathized with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had a, had better and lasting possessions. I think the ESV there says a better and lasting possession, singular. But it says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. Again, there's a lot here um, to think through and to ponder and to meditate on from the word. These, the people that were receiving this letter there were some who were like kind of going, I'm not sure if it's worth it. I'm not sure following Jesus is worth it because there's suffering and there's hardship. And, you know, I think about what we're going through right now and there's all sorts of claims of persecution and hardship uh, in Canada right now and what we're, what the government's doing and what they're not doing and all that. And I, I read this and I go, I think we need a reality check these people, they they had lived where they sympathized with those in prison, probably other followers, other, other followers of Jesus, and joyfully accepted the confiscation of their property because they were not focused on what this world had to offer or what they had. They were focused on eternity and what they had in Christ. They did not even care that their goods and their material things they owned were taken away. Do we, would we say that? Would I react that way if because of Jesus, my personal property and material goods that I've worked hard for, I've, 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 I, I deserve them if they were taken away. And then I go, and we are claiming suffering right now in our, in our nation. And I'm not saying that there isn't things that are going on that aren't good, that, that are okay. There, there's things that aren't good. But we need perspective right now. And this helps us 
get perspective on what is really what really matters in life and are we would we actually be able to identify with these people if this happened to us and so he's saying to them like don't remember this possession you have in Christ remember the inheritance you have and don't throw away your confidence it's going to be richly rewarded like you may not see it now but there's like the hope that we need to unswervingly hold to the hope that we need to hold fast to that you profess don't let that go because you need to persevere we need to persevere and and when we do the promises like we're going to get everything that god's promised he's like you're going to get everything you god's promised and and i this is this is so good because he's like look we're not the ones who shrink back and are destroyed like we are the ones who believe now this is not like intellectual assent this is like we are the ones who have active engaged faith we persevere it's how we live because we're followers of Jesus first and foremost and because of that we like we know we're saved we're we're saved like this isn't a question we're saved we have been redeemed whatever happens on this earth we have Christ we have the greatest treasure that we would sell everything for to get and so this is really good for us to go yeah okay i i need to think about this in light of our culture in light of what is going to happen in the future. And I, and you know, there's Jesus said in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. Will we persevere? Will we see it through? Will we believe in what God has promised? And are we going to be the ones that don't shrink back, but go on encouraging one another again, sowing into one another's lives, sowing joy and love into fellow believers and into our churches because we are God's people and we don't shrink back. All right, this podcast has gone on long enough. I'll leave it there. Hope that this is a blessing to you as you use this uh, maybe as a way to to think through some of the implications of Hebrews and Uh, using it as a devotional tool. And I, I pray that it does help you go deeper into Jesus and into following his way. So friends, until next time, I hope that it won't be uh, weeks on end until I uh, do another one. But uh, in the meantime, uh, God bless you and we will see you again. Lord willing.